Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome back to another episode of No Head, where we learn to live in the present moment and navigate life together. This podcast is available in all the podcast apps. If you haven't subscribed, please pause just now and subscribe and rate me. It helps others discover this podcast. You can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter at No Head Podcast. How are you doing, breathers? Yeah, that's my name for all of you who are taking time to breathe and be in the present moment. If you're tuning in for the first time, my name is Dorothy Aoko, and when I'm not doing my day job in communications, I facilitate a mindfulness course at Google called Search Inside Yourself. Today's quote is from Andy Padicombe of Headspace. Quote, Meditation isn't about becoming a different person, a new person, or even a better person. It's about training in awareness and understanding how and why you think and feel the way you do and getting a healthy sense of perspective in the process. End of quote. My guest today is Lois Mashira, the founder of TZ Talks, who is a certified mental health advocate and the first global wellness ambassador for Kenya. She's deeply passionate about wellness, community, and social justice. Tizi Talks is a health and wellness blog whose mission is to advocate for enjoyable, healthy living and self-empowerment through fitness. In 2019, the blog was nominated for the Bloggers Association of Kenya for two awards, Best New Blog and Kenyan Blog of the Year. In 2020, she was nominated for the Regional Award of Founder of the Year, FOIA, within the Under 30 category, an initiative that celebrates young African founders contributing to the development of Africa. thrilled that we finally made it. Me too. Such an honor to be here. It's so great to have you. Thank you. Thank you so much. As we always begin, we start off with a fully arriving exercise. Okay. Which is about just bringing ourselves to this present moment Mm -hmm. and we'll breathe together. So what we do is I lead you, we'll breathe in, Mm -hmm. hold, and then we'll breathe out slowly. Okay. And we'll do that to a count of three. Okay. Yeah? Yeah. Let's begin. Breathe in. Hold. Breathe out slowly. Breathe in. Hold. Breathe out slowly. Then. Hold. Breathe out slowly. And now let your breathing return to its normal rhythm. Not controlling anything. Just letting your breath guide you. Letting your breath lead you. Now coming back to this present moment. Fully arriving with me. Thank you. 
Thank you so much. Thank you for that breathing exercise because I've never been in a you know in a session, a conversation where that's where we start from. I feel like it's like a recharge. You know? we, we had had we had talked about so many things. We had spent so much time talking <laughs> yeah. that it's just good to center yourselves and bring back, come back to this moment mm. and be fully present. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you. Where do we begin? I have wanted mm -hmm. to chat to you okay. first of all about TZ. <laughs> so yeah, tell us about TZ. So TZ is a blog that I started in 2017. So the brand, the plan was to, I always knew that I wanted to build a wellness brand, but I didn't know the approach in terms of what exactly should I do. And so because I knew so much about healthy living from the, from the you know, from what we eat mm -hmm. to the different forms of exercise to why mindfulness and meditation is important. So all these angles of wellness became such a driving force in my life that mm -hmm. I knew outside of my career, I always wanted to do something in wellness. So then I built this blog called TZ Talks. And by the way, um, it was because also my sister mm -hmm. encouraged me to do it. She was like, since you know so much about health and wellness, just build a blog because you have so much content. Right. I didn't even know what content meant. I thought content was something very different from what we understand it to be now. And so I created TZ Talks in 2017, July 14th specifically. That's when my first article wow. went out as an article. Mm -hmm. And um, now it's grown to have a following of close to 3,000 uh, followers. Um, wow, subscribing that's impressive. Yeah. That's impressive. And I always say that the content is all about celebrating healthy living, you know, breaking down the misconceptions, um, having interviews with different people. And, you know, because I believe that there's a direct correlation between wellness, success and happiness. Absolutely. And um, it's something that I saw actually when I was in university because... You know, back in uni, I studied in the UK and, you know, magazines were so cheap. I, I would buy all these magazines about health and wellness because I didn't understand any of it. So I would just read it to understand where to start. And what I found was that the person on the cover of the magazine, whose story was in the middle, they always attributed their success to happiness and their success to investing in their health. Oh, right. So I was like, hmm, it's not, so it's not just about looking good for a movie. It's not just about looking good for a music video, but it's beyond, it's beyond the aesthetics. It's beyond the aesthetics and it's really a lifestyle. And so having this understanding is what now led me to start writing articles. And up to today, there's close to 200 articles on the website. Well done. Thank you. Well done. That's Thank really you. impressive. And we're going to delve into the aspect of mental health in a little while. Just break it down for me. Where did the journey start for you? My journey started when I joined university and after my first year, my first year, I didn't even touch, I don't think I ever even owned a pair of sneakers. To be honest with you, I think I oh, just really? I think I probably just had sneakers for the sake of, but like proper running shoes and then this and even activewear, I didn't have any of that stuff. So in my second year, when I was going back to uni, I I started feeling very unfit. It would be things like taking the stairs, and maybe it's not even a long flight of stairs. It mm -hmm. could be even something like two flights of stairs. But I'm dreading climbing those stairs. I'm seeing it as such a task. 
So then, um, luckily, my housemate told me that there's a gym that had just been constructed and that they were opening and that membership was an equivalent of 20,000 Kenya shillings for the whole year, for the mm-hmm. whole academic year. Quickly jumped in it and then I signed up to, to a few classes because I didn't know anything about anything, really. Mm-hmm. The first time I experienced a yoga class, spinning class. So this is how I was learning about, okay, so you can work out, but there's different ways of doing it. So then you just have to like try different things and see what works. And so eventually I started committing myself to going to the gym twice a week. And uh, I was doing classes because I just wanted that like group uh, motivation. And to be honest with you, the impact it had on my life was immediate. After the class, I just felt like if I'm going into the library or if I'm going into a lecture, I'm more attentive. Um, I can multitask more. If actually something as simple as if I was doing a research uh, paper on a topic, right? Mm. Uh, coming back to it after working out, I felt like I knew exactly what I needed right, to do. Right, you're alive. Yeah, I'm alert. like, okay, yeah, I'm like, okay so this is what we need. This is the website. This is the journal that we'll use to do the research. And so I was becoming much more productive in class. And then even um, I found myself feeling more joyful. I felt more joyful and I just felt like the endorphin rush I would get after every workout to me is something that kept me going back. And um, even if I had a hangover, I would use my workouts to actually beat the hangover. I've never looked back ever since. And I think even after coming back to Kenya and so working out through university for me is what helped me um, in my academics. I remember when I was doing my dissertation in my uh, final year, I had a proper block. I didn't know how to approach it. I didn't know what the next chapter should be. And what I said was, okay, fine. For this whole week, I'm going to run every morning and then come back to my laptop. And it worked. So even after university and now coming back into society and looking for a job and figure and doing the whole adulting thing, I just said that I'll commit myself to this lifestyle. But then at the time, it was more about what I was eating and working out. So I started understanding that wellness is really the process of being very deliberate about making healthy choices on a day-to-day basis. And what does wellness mean? Wellness is our mind. Wellness is our spiritual awareness. So it's not just about the exercise and the nutrition. So I actually enrolled in a course at a university in town and I found it on the internet. I showed up there, I paid the deposit, I started my classes. It was going to be a three-month diploma in fitness and nutrition, but apparently this school was a sham. Oh. So, yeah, the guy disappeared with our money. He, he disappeared to Rwanda. Oh. So, but then we only knew it was a scam a month in. So it was a three-month diploma and I did one month, but even the one month that I studied, that's when I started understanding that wellness is really all these elements that Mm. make us who we are. You know, you can eat well, you can do exercise, but if you're not doing things to take care of your mental health, because Mm. those things do contribute, but if you're actually not separating your mental health work um, outside of what you eat and how you exercise. You can be fit, looking amazing, but you, you, you're, you're, you're not battling your inner struggles in the right way. And so now I started learning about meditation because I used to think that meditation is um, isolating yourself and going somewhere to like a retreat in Bali, you right. know. And then That's just, what people think, you isn't know? it? Yes. Yeah. So then um, I listened to this interesting, an interview, Andy Combe, I think. Yes, he does Headspace. Yes. He's the founder of Headspace. Yeah, so he did a TED Talk and he said that, and literally his definition of meditation completely changed how I look at it. I used to think meditation is about removing your thoughts or like clearing your mind. It's impossible because we're human beings. 
Exactly. So yeah. he said that meditation is a process of developing a better relationship with your thoughts. Right. And I was like, wow. So how? what does that mean? So mm. then I started trying that and I would just feel more grounded. Like I wouldn't feel like if somebody is cutting me in traffic, mm. I'm like, oh, you know, hooting. I'm like, right. so there was less hooting. I was less react basically. So right, I was, exactly. I started being more responsive. And the more I did it, actually how my meditation started was I was working in a law firm and I hated it. And I just felt like, how do people do this? Like for the rest of their lives? Is this going to be my life for the rest mm-hmm. of my life? Okay, no, but I'm here. So how do we cope? So I actually used to meditate for 30 minutes before going to the office. To help you cope. To with... help me cope. Right. And let me tell you, it did. Because the exercise, yes, it helped. Mm. Eating healthy, yeah, because that's how you like maintain your physique. But mm. I felt like mentally, there's something I needed to, like there's some work I needed to do on a day-to-day basis. Mm. And so when I started doing meditation in 2016, four years ago, I just realized that I was just less reactive. I was mm-hmm. less reactive. I was more present. And then even like, if maybe I'm not enjoying the case I'm working on, I would just look at it very positively mm-hmm. for whatever reason. For me, wellness is really about everything. It's about, you know, what you eat, exercising, the mental work, being right. mindful. Yeah. And you're a mindfulness coach. Right. And the spiritual part as well, because yeah. we are multifaceted as human beings. So yeah. we, we do the physical exercise for our physical part. Yes. And the spiritual, what mm. we do to cultivate our spirituality. Yeah. But then there's the mental. And so that relationship with your thoughts. Mm. And for me also with yourself. Yeah. Because you are able to listen in mm. and be grounded and just know who you are. Yes. That, that, that is empowering. Yeah. How has that journey in terms of, you talked about discovering your thoughts and being at peace with your thoughts and having that relationship Mm. and this place of finding who is Lois. Right. How has that journey been for you? Oh, it's been a long journey. So when I started meditating, uh, when I was working in a law firm, it was to ask, actually, I started meditating to ask myself, what is it about this career that Mm. is not giving me that joy and fulfillment. And um, as I started developing a better relationship with my thoughts, I realized that what makes Lois happy is helping other people mm. and being in service to others. And so it was actually through identifying the, you know, the where my thoughts were stemming from. And they were stemming from a place of, you know, I want to be able to not just bring in a lot of money into this law firm, but I want to feel like, a lot of lives have been uplifted. Mm. I want to see people smiling. I don't want to... For me, going to a courtroom felt like... And I'm sure doctors can tell you this. Nobody likes to go to the hospital. Mm. You know what I mean? It's not right. a, It's not like the, somewhere you want to spend so much time. Right. And mostly we go when we are unwell, when we're going to visit somebody who we love. And even um, if you're, you see doctors love working there because they're, they're acting in service of us, right? Even when we think about the pandemic, they've been the, they've been the people who've actually been keeping us safe. And so I felt that I wanted to work in a space where I was working in service of others. Mm. And through that meditation and asking myself, but what is it that I want to do? You know, there's a book I'm reading at the moment called Think Like a Monk by Jay Shetty. And I, he's I like first, Jay Shetty's podcast. Yeah, he's, yes. he's like my spiritual and life coach. Okay. Um, and so what he says is that his first experience in the ashram, um, their spiritual leader 
was just taking them through an exercise. And they were taken to a room that had a mirror with a lot of dust. And the leader asked him, what can you see in the mirror? And Jay said, I can only see dust. And then he used his robe to remove the dust from the mirror. And then he asked him again, what do you see? And he said that I can see myself. And what that experience was to teach them is that in life, you have to just remove all the noise. You have to listen to yourself and really think back about, think about what makes you happy, what makes noise. And so I discovered that, okay, when, when did I first decide that I wanted to practice law? Was it an inward thing or was it something that I saw that looked cool? And it was really the, the latter. I just thought that female lawyers just look really, really cool and, you know. You watch many sitcoms of, exactly. of the lawyers. It's like Ali McBill. <laughs> I was like, because it's, because it's really nothing. Right. You know what I mean? So it's that journey of, okay, so it's the meditation that helped me ask myself those questions. And um, I realized that anytime I would do something that uh, would help other people, I would feel so good. About it. it would really fill me up, you know. Mm. Of course, making money is nice and it's great, but... I always felt like there's a lot more that I can do that was never taught to me. And also, why is it that society has conditioned us to have like a life where you're almost checking every list? You go to university and then you get a mortgage. Why is it that there's never any self-discovery in life? And what does self-discovery really look like? Mm -hmm. So in my journey, my meditation has helped me understand myself better. And the more times I've spent by myself, I really just reflect a lot, you know, I really reflect a lot. And there's a space after you exercise, just in those moments where you have your endorphins rushing, right. I actually get the best of my ideas when I'm exercising. It can just right. come to me, the name Tizzy Talks mm -hmm. <laughs> came to me when I was in the shower at a gym because I knew I was like I don't want to call this blog Lois Mashira because it's not a personal blog it's not mm -hmm. a blog where you'll see so today I did this and now right. I'm, I'm traveling here it's really a website that talks about what healthy living is that it should mm -hmm. be enjoyable and so what should I call it and because my trainer would always say pick a tizzy, tizzy, tizzy right <laughs> you know no what you know like all that stuff that trainers say mm. and so i thought okay tizzy can be the name of the brand but it needs to i tried to register tizzy as a business but they said that there are a lot of com complications in terms of it's a city in algeria oh I yeah love that. yes and then also like there's other you know companies that have the name tizzy but then i used to love watching ted talk as I've just referred to the Headspace founder, I learned mm -hmm. so much from him because of TED Talks. And I wanted the platform that I built to be something conversational and something where I would invite people to speak about their fitness journey. And so then that's how I came up with the word Tizzy Talks. Yeah, I love it. I actually love the Tizzy. It's such a good combination and a good play of words. Thank you. And so your journey from turning from your profession into this passion. Mm. Was that difficult? Because, I mean, you've studied, you've gone to the university, your yeah. parents are expecting a lawyer <laughs> yeah. and not a TZ Talks blog trainer consultant. Yeah. How was that for you? It was so hard. In fact, when I started it, I didn't even tell my parents about it. Mm. And uh, even now when it started, now I realize I need a website. A mm. website costs money. So I remember even... Um, approaching my parents to give me some money, but I couldn't exactly say what, was, what the money was for. And so eventually when I didn't get it, I was like, okay, I'll just have a free website. You know, the ones where it's like dot strikingly, like it's not a dot com. <laughs> I was like, you know what? We'll figure it out. It will work. So it wasn't easy, but um, 
To be honest with you, my creativity was born by working in a space in a very good working environment. Mm. So knowing that I didn't want to work in a law firm or practice law in the conventional way, I jumped and joined the humanitarian sector. And I was working in such a good environment. I was working for the Federation of Red Cross as an intern. Yeah. And then you're giving, which is what you wanted exactly. to be, you're helping people. Yeah, I was working for the Somalia office mm. based in Nairobi. Mm. And I could actually see the work we were doing was actually helping people. And even like the working environment was amazing. You know, you could come into the office at a, as long as you lock in your hours, you could come into the office at 10 and leave at 6. Mm. And so creatively, uh, I mean, so... My well-being was at a really... I was in a very good headspace. Right. And so even they creating the content for me, even if I knew that I didn't have the money for the website, mm. I didn't have money to pay any photographer, even the logo. I paid a guy like 2,000 shillings to like do me that... to create that logo for... Oh, you know what okay. I mean? Yes. Which is still the same logo. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, it works? It works. But because for me, I was creating it to share what I understood. Um, I think that authenticity related with a lot of people and a lot of people that I feel like were looking to hear they were looking for the message that healthy living is whatever you choose to make it mm. and it's not the convention it's not what we all think it is it's not about drowning yourself in green juices right or being skinny or being skinny and it's not a it's and it's not for celebrities right or athletes mm. and you see I am an, I'm an average person. It's not like I work in um, industries where you need to look a certain type of way. So then also the fact that I was a content creator who was genuinely living this lifestyle. Um, I think over time, I didn't even realize it, but I was churning out so many articles. And mm. then before, you, before I knew it, I was getting nominated for awards. Mm. And when I could now afford to pay for the website, I ran and did it very fast. Okay. But I can guarantee you, it was a free website for a very long time. And I didn't ma- it didn't matter to me because I just enjoyed creating the content, mm-hmm. you know, and I still do. So it being a passion project of mine was a safe space that's now growing into something that people are, people are calling a brand, you know? Yeah. But some people would say that, you know, Lois, you're quite lucky you're able to do passion. I need to pay rent, mm. I need to pay for my family. I don't have that luxury. I yeah. just need to keep on moving, you yeah. know, and grinding. Yeah. What did you tell them? What I know you... I'm not happy. I don't have the luxury of choosing. Yeah, what I'd say is, and it's actually something I was reading this week, if you're working in a space where you're not passionate about what you do, but you are good at, you are good at your job, then you can bring in your passion into your work. Right. And an, an example is, for example, I was reading, now this story was about um, a lawyer, actually, a female lawyer who didn't enjoy what she was doing, but she had bills to pay. She had people who were dependent on her. She was actually the firstborn in her family. And what she did was, because she had a passion for baking, she started this thing called, I think, the second Monday of the month or something, where everyone in anyone in the office would be assigned to bring some treats to the office mm-hmm. and you did if you don't know how to bake it's fine but it encouraged the culture of people wanting to learn how to bake right. and she's always started the whole initiative and she would always make sure even if it's not her turn to bake that she would always bring in something for the office uh, for guys in her office to enjoy mm. another example is also if you're really passionate about um so Jay Shetty was very passionate about um, my, um, you know, personal development. Mm. And what he did was, when he was working at a consulting company, super corporate, he said that he would love to 
have like a session every week where they talk about spirituality mm-hmm. and mindfulness, right? And why those two pillars are very important in our personal growth. And that became a workshop. So it started as a, okay, between four and five, every Thursday, mm-hmm. we sit and we talk. Mm-hmm. And that grew into a workshop within the company. And even now the the owner of the company said that this can actually, we'd actually want to invite you to speak to other consultants at mm-hmm. big events. And so what I would say is, even if you don't have the privilege to just up and leave and try something else, mm. try and identify what you're passionate about right. and bring it into your space yeah. in the smallest way because it, it does add up to your cup. It does fill up your cup. And if you can fill up your cup in any way possible, then try and do it. You never know. Um, it could be something that can be very successful in your company. People will really value it. Mm. And who knows? It could even take you out of that specific right. role into, right. into a whole new baby that you've created in your workspace. Right. Yeah. I like what you're saying. Take time to find out what that passion is. Because yeah. sometimes that's why I find mindfulness important. This idea of taking time to stop mm. and breathe. And really interrogate yourself on why am I doing this? Mm. Because sometimes we're always just in this rat race and we're just moving and we're not asking those questions. Yeah. Is this thing giving me joy? What do I really enjoy? And exactly. find what that is and then see how you incorporate it in your life and make yeah. time for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's talk, important. Talk to us as a, as a content creator because sure. you have, you know, you started your blog, mm-hmm. you ended up being nominated in the Baker Awards, which is a huge deal, you know? <laughs> How has the process of creating content been for you? And what are some of the lessons you've learned that others who are thinking, well, can I do it? What, yeah. what, what can I learn? Mm-hmm. How is that for you? So my process started out, I was so passionate at the beginning. I had so much to write about. And then I realized that the more I was creating, the more ideas I was getting, but I was also starting to lose the time to do these things because I was creating content while having a full-time job. And so what I would do is I was very ambitious at the beginning thinking that I could spend two hours every day, but then with traffic in Nairobi, by the time you get home and then you have to wake up early the next day to to get to the office Mm -hmm. and you you need your evening routine. What I found was that I had to be very deliberate about my weekends. And so if you can even put in two hours aside in a weekend where you're waking up and you're not having to think about rushing to the office and just write down what your thoughts are about any topic. So I, because for me, wellness is such a wide topic. There's there's the physical and internal, which is physical is basically our bodies and what we eat. Internal Mm -hmm. is our mind, our emotions, our spirituality. Mm -hmm. And so what I did was, I actually divided every pillar of wellness and and I would actually write topics that I want to write on. So having uh so writing down the ideas of topics I had helped me create like a content calendar. And at the time right. I didn't even know critical. <laughs> but I just knew that okay, for next month, right. uh, I want to talk about this. Right. Because if and then if you think about it, each month has four weekends. Uh, if you only dedicate two hours every Saturday, those are like that's some good time to be able to right. write the content. And so I had to come up with a content calendar. And then also I would talk to people about 
what would you like to know more about? Mm. You know what I mean? I would even look at the analytics on the website to see which articles are getting the most views. What I that's found a, that's good insight. Yeah, and what mm. I found that was very shocking was that there's an article I published called 14 Jeans that are under the cost of 7,000 shillings for membership. And I listed all of them. Right. And that article too. Okay. All of them in Kenya. I think all of them in Nairobi. And um, and that's how I discovered that, okay, fine. So people like to have practical information. Right. Okay, I'm on a budget, but I want to stay fit. What's in my area? What's in my locality? Mm. So understanding what people want to hear about, doing mm. your research, mm. talking to people in the industry, looking at what other people are writing about, I think all these things were able to inform my writing plan. And then also, to be honest, for me, writing is a passion. So mm. not just writing about health and wellness, but I do enjoy putting my thoughts on paper. Right. And so to me, as a content creator, you could do videos, you, as you can do the podcast, as you're doing. Mm. But I wanted to just write a lot. I don't know why, but I just wanted to write a lot. So then growing into creating the calendar, then mm. now the next thing was, okay, what about images and videos? And should I do videos? Don't even know anything about videos right. and pictures. Like, so I started thinking about, oh my gosh, there's so much to think about with creating the blog. And I started, the first interview I did on my blog, it was actually with uh, G-Money, the DJ. And this was after a lot of rejection because people were looking at, people were looking at my website and they were saying, oh, but there's, there's not even one interview. Yes, do I want to be the first one? Do I want to be the first one? And even I remember reaching out to somebody and she said to me, you don't have any interviews. Why, why don't you build up your interview base and wow. then get in touch with me? But when I called up G-Money, he's like, oh, this is great. Happy to do it. Mm. I didn't have a photographer. So actually I took screenshots from his Instagram page yes. and used that on the article. And so my growth has I've come from there, like mm. taking screenshots shots or done or googling your images mm. and then using those images right. on the article so slowly i started to um you know pay a photographer and actually it was i wasn't even paying i was collaborating with a friend so for anybody listening if you don't have a budget for production mm -hmm. you can enter a partnership with somebody who's also just starting in photography and then they get visibility of what you're trying to so you're supporting you grow, one another you grow right. together mm. right and then again now if you understand doing video content who is willing to like trust in my vision. Again, it's also a vision thing. You know, you want to be, and what I say is with a lot of people I've worked with, you're part of this growth of a very big vision. And I don't even talk about much about what I want to do with TC Talks in the, in the long run, but mm. I have a very big vision for it. Mm. And everybody who has been part of this vision, including even speaking about it with you, thank you for this. It's, 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 an, it's an exciting journey, you know? Mm. And if people can believe in what you're doing, they'll support you. Even, spo even sponsors, like, I've done events um, at places where <laughs> the, I remember for Global Wellness Day, actually. So I'm the global, I'm the first global wellness ambassador for Kenya. Congratulations, yes, I was looking at that. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it basically just means that every second Saturday of June, every year, I have to put together an event, mm -hmm. a free event, uh, and it's all going to be about health and wellness. And uh, because it's free, I didn't have a budget for it. And I remember approaching different venues and they were like, oh, great. I wouldn't even tell them that even Oprah has endorsed it in the US. Mm. Like, it's not a small thing. <laughs> but venues would look at me like, but you want to use our space? Yes, for free. <laughs> so, you know what? Believing in the vision is what mm. got me a really beautiful venue in 2019. Believe in the vision. Believing in the vision. Mm. You have to you have to live it and believe it 100% mm. for somebody else to buy into it. And so Trademark Hotel gave us the venue at Village Market. Mm. And um, 
I couldn't even believe it. But then you see also, it's that collaboration. So collaborating as a content creator is so important. Right. And you have to move in different event spaces. Mm. Look for events that are in health and wellness. And mm. I, I used to it every Saturday. I would be attending mm. a boot camp, a yoga class, telling people about my blog. This is what I write about. Right. And so people are like, oh, wow, we really like your content. So mm. we're very happy to check out your website. And then people now start following the blog. Mm. And the more people start following the blog, the 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 bigger your brand becomes. And then, um, yeah, it's what, it's what has led me here today. So as a global wellness coach, and I think people who look at you or read your blog think that, well, Lois has it all together. There's nothing that can really shock her or put a damper in her life. Mm -hmm. But I know that last year, at the beginning of COVID, you had just gotten a job. You were ready, you had timed the job that you wanted, which is in advocacy. Yeah. And then, because of COVID, you lost the job. Yeah. Tell us, what? how were you able to cope with that? You've got a job, you're already working, mm -hmm. this is what you want. It's yeah. in the line, it's human advocacy, mm -hmm. what you like. Yeah. And then suddenly you don't have a job. Can I make you laugh? <laughs> Tell me. So... Um, when I was looking for a job, somebody told me, have you ever tried looking for a job using a, a HR company? Like you actually like tell them what you want and then they will help you get the job. So this company, it was a recruitment company. So they called me for a meeting after I sent them my CV and they were like, look, uh, we actually see that you've done some marketing mm -hmm. and you've done some communications. So can you be our head of communications? I had, I, you know, I thought they were calling me for like a job in advocacy so what i did was i took it as everyone would just because you need a paycheck right and then the pandemic happened and because everybody was closing shop then a lot of recruitment companies went under very quickly mm. and so that's what happened with the company i worked in and uh, i was going to be based in between addis and nairobi but then when the pandemic happened then i lost my job actually i even just moved into a new apartment to be closer to the office because wow. i really believe in being able to walk Yes, to your workplace. So, um, you know, here I was living in Westlands, uh, not not knowing what I would do to like sustain my rent. Mm. And I remember watching an interview where Mukisekuti was talking about back then he was still working for the UN. He was talking about the impact of COVID on the economy. I'm not an economist, so I was paying attention. Right. Because this pandemic thing is looking like it's here for some time. And I remember him saying that whatever you have on you, just save it. If you can save any penny, save it because mm -hmm. it's only going to get worse from here. And let me tell you, two days later, I packed my suitcase and I went back home. Yes. Went to my family. So now I started feeling so bad for myself. And oh my gosh, like I'm really one of those guys who've lost their jobs because of a pandemic. Right. What does this mean? Um, and although it's not a job that I actually wanted, that experience showed me that... I felt like, okay, maybe now this is the right time to really like focus on what I want to do on top of creating content. And that's another thing. Gyms were closed. Nobody was moving around. Nobody. There's lockdown. So how am I supposed to create the content? Right. You know what I mean? And so that's mm -hmm. how the whole IG live thing started coming about. People mm -hmm. were now doing online right. interviews and online conversations. So in the middle of all of this, again, the only thing that was making me, preventing me from having a mental breakdown was my routine, my morning routine of waking up in the morning, preferably before the sun rises, mm -hmm. um, getting into prayer, 
meditating, right. exercising, and then having a very wholesome break- breakfast. So I've always said that no matter what I'm going through in my life, if I'm physically capable of doing my morning routine, yes, that routine I need to is do so it. critical. It, it keeps is. me because yes. there's really nothing preventing me from sleeping right. in bed all day. Yes, and feeling, oh, life is really tough. Yeah. But just having that routine, wake having up. Having that routine, even yeah. if there's no meeting I'm waking up to do. Mm. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I just, I'm like, okay, my meeting is my job applications. Right. Let's get this done. So in the middle of all of that, as I'm still dealing with my own crisis internally, um, I came across the career bank evictions. And in my head, I was like, wow, you mean people can be evicted in the middle of a pandemic and no, have no recourse? Mm. Um, here I am feeling sorry for myself, yet I have access to Wi-Fi and Netflix. So really, so really what's the most important thing in life? And I think for me, that's where spirituality comes in because I feel like when you, the more spiritual you are, and uh, it's something that I've actually noticed from my mom. So my mom is a staunch Christian Mm -hmm. and, um, I just find that with my mom, when she's going through a really hard time, she's not falling apart. You know what I mean? There's always this like hope that yeah. things will be better. And I've always wanted to live a it's life. It's called faith. Yes. I've always wanted to be, a, you know, I want, how can right. I be more faithful? Mm. How can I be more positive mm. with all the chaos going on around me? How can I quiet the noise? Mm. And so, you know, I think moving back home, I got back into that spirituality. And when the Karibank evictions happened, like, I think we, we all see injustices on social media. Mm. But this one really spoke to me because... You know, I was watching these videos from my bed with my laptop playing Netflix in the background. And I was like, I think I think I can do something about it. I think I can raise some money. Let me first go there and see right. what's happening. Because I, for me, I didn't find out on media. I found mm. out because of social media. So then, you know, going into that project, raising a lot of money to be able to help the families. Then now, you know, I started feeling, honestly, like... Going there and talking to them the next day, it almost like it removed the crisis I was dealing with, you know? Yeah, because you, you, you forget about yourself and now you're focusing on people you, who need help. Exactly. And I think for me, it's that wanting to work in service of others. Mm. And it really filled my cup. Mm. And it's not even about making yourself feel better by helping others, but it's mm. about taking yourself out of your bubble right. and really doing something that is uplifting you, but but you don't even realize right. it, you know? Right. And then one month turned into six months. And even during that period, you know, um, people think that, actually people think I'm so put together that I don't even drink, I don't mm. even do this and that. Right. That if, I, if I'm going through a really hard time, you can't even tell. But I've been through a lot, especially like with the cyberbullying that started with the Karibagi project, because it was mm. a very public project. I would wake up, so one thing I believe in is not looking at your phone mm. when you wake up in the morning. Yes, me too. It's a terrible thing, yeah. Do you know a guy called Dr. Joe Dispensia? Yes. I watch his, yes, I'm a YouTube fan. He, I remember him saying this in an interview, that when we check our phone as the first thing in the morning, we are wearing our mind to receive things that we can't even control. Right. You know, I'm not even critical. Like, yeah. have your moment. Exactly. Yeah. So for me, like that morning routine, again, back to the morning routine right. of, of doing all the things that I need to do for mm. my mind, body, and soul. Mm. And then avoiding to check my phone for one hour. 
So by the time now I'm checking my phone and I'm seeing all the cyberbullying things, I feel like I've already strengthened my Oh, the th- people have tagged you. Hey, people have tagged me. I've been sent all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. I used to be, I think one of the worst things I saw was, um, oh, so you, we see you helping people in Karyobangi, but then you also post pictures of yourself practicing yoga. You must be a witch or something like that. Like really nasty stuff. Like what? They too have nothing to do yeah. with this. And at some point, at the beginning, I was like, oh my God, like how can people say these things yeah. about me? And then later I was like, you have a problem. You're dealing with something so negative internally that you're willing to attack somebody who you don't know you have no idea how they're doing their project and you're willing to give them your time. Yeah. And so what I learned through that is that the internet is a, is a space where you, you're not in control of what you consume. So being mindful about the kind of content you consume mm. honestly also really helped me through that period because I would just cancel out the noise. And because I was really working on myself internally, mm. for me, I just find that people who are very angry and, uh, you know, they, they use so much vulgar and they keep throwing it where it's not required, yeah. they have a problem. Yes, you know what they say, hurt people, hurt others. others. Yeah. And they have someone has a problem and so the only way is to lash out mm-hmm. at you. Yeah. And yeah. that and that a beautiful quote I learned in twenty twenty was that when you learn that people's actions have nothing to do with you, right. you learn grace. Oh, I love that. Yeah. So I just put out the noise, focus mm. on what I needed to do and um, you know, it stops. Mm. You, you won't be cyberbullied forever. Tomorrow yeah. there'll be a new thing. And exactly. <laughs> people and those people are looking for what's the next new thing. Yeah. And then, you are left behind. Exactly. Right. So even what I'd say to anybody listening who's ever been cyberbullied or has been cyberbullied, mm. it's really nothing to do with you, but mm. everything to do with the person who is actually mm. using their own time and energy. Mm. Imagine using your own time and energy to like write such Troll people. Stuff. Yeah. yeah. To me, I call it emotional pollution. You're dealing with some stuff in, and you're just polluting. You're, you're kind of like leaving your residue everywhere, mm. like very toxic residue everywhere. Wow. So the lesson that taught you was being mindful about what you consume. Mm, absolutely. And avoiding to check your phone mm. in the first hour when you wake up. Right. Because by the time now, for me, by the time I look at my phone, I've mm-hmm. done everything. Mm-hmm. In fact, the perfect routine for me is where I wake up as early as 5 a.m., say my gratitude prayer. And why I, why I specifically say gratitude prayer is because I'm literally thanking God or whoever is listening to your higher being for giving me a new day because and you're well and you're whole yes i'm well mm. i'm whole i can see i can feel my hands mm. people are paralyzed right. people are in a coma people have covid right. you're right. able to wake up healthy so the gratitude prayer mm. i've found puts me in a very grateful mindset mm. and when you're grateful for the things that we take for granted like waking up every day i just approach the day less judgmental less critical i don't complain so much because i'm like i'm alive mm-hmm. and i really believe that whether i'm spiritual or not but like, i really believe that as long as you're alive on this earth you still have a purpose absolutely because One more day yeah because if you don't have a purpose you wouldn't wake up you know and then as much as it's a difficult thing nobody likes to think about death but mm-hmm. that's for me that's what motivates me mm-hmm. i'm awake we have mm-hmm. things to do i'm going i'm unemployed we have work to do. to do. I need to talk to people. I need to write some content. You know, you just right. have to keep going. And so that gratitude prayer helps. Meditation helps me a lot because I'm really centered. I understand myself better, where my thoughts are coming from. So there's something I'm learning called hurtful fears and useful fears. So I've found that 
so hurtful fears are fears that you worry about the unknown but you have no control over it so for example it doesn't serve you it doesn't serve you at all it's hurtful and an example would be if you're unemployed and you're looking for a job and you're worried well, how am i going to pay my rent how am mm. i going to put food on the table so you can switch that to a useful mm. fear by knowing that there's a way to go around your employment right just keep applying for jobs just keep talking to people right just keep volunteering where you can so there's a way to go around it but a hurtful fear is something like worrying that you love going to die from cancer or something mm. you can't control death so you can only so when you look at fears as whether they're hurtful or useful you learn how to manage it better right. and my meditation for me like now when i think about where my thoughts are coming from i'm mm. like hmm, is anything i can do about that no so let me try and move away right. from that and then mm. now the exercise part my god like for me 45 minutes every day whether it's yoga hit a run right. something a yeah. walk physical physical you need to do that because you need to mm. like get your blood moving in your body mm. and open up your mind you know now mm. that your spirit is awakened your mind has been worked on now the exercise is enabling your physical body to be able to move around you energized and then when you have a wholesome breakfast after that and a nice cup of coffee as you write your journal a wholesome breakfast i like that you know yes, a wholesome breakfast just you know like oatmeal banana oatmeal with um some almonds mm. and some blueberries or strawberries mm -hmm. and maybe like a like an egg and, and a coffee and then after that you check your phone right. there's nothing mm. that will sh there's nothing that's going to because you're right. you're ready to attack and mm. um for me that's the routine that I call the ultimate self um the ultimate morning self care routine, routine. I yeah, love that. that and that's what we should not your phone mm -hmm. not what's happening yeah. just taking care of yourself exactly. your soul your yes, being exactly and what has 20 so i ask that question normally at the beginning yeah but what has 2020 2021 taught you wow it's okay it's taught me that life is so precious yes and that i need to be more grateful than i already am mm. i really think that um the best way to live is to live a life of gratitude absolutely and that we need to be more compassionate towards each other right i think this pandemic has really humbled us you know it's literally forced all of us to stop and think and stay still right. whether you're working from home or whether you don't have a job but we've all been forced to sit and even you know we've gone through so much emotionally we've seen people losing their lives and i think it's that that's shown me that wow you know like things can just happen and a pandemic can stop the world and millions can die and so i've definitely learned to be more grateful and i, I even feel like the more grateful i am honestly things you could the see more the here. universe opens yes, it? Yes. it just look opens. at me sitting with you here right. having this conversation I, yeah. a few months ago I did not think I would be in a position to talk about the importance of gratitude. You know? There you go. I think yeah. that's such that's such an important lesson. Life is precious. Yeah. We need to be grateful. Absolutely. And we need to be compassionate. Absolutely. Thinking about others. It's the same lesson that guest after guest have said. Just mm. the idea of it's not about you, it's also about other people yeah. in the community. Yeah. Thank you so much, Lois. It has been such a delight. Thank you. It's such a pleasure. I'm Thank so happy so to much. be here. Thank you.
Well, that's all today in No Head, where we learn to live in the present moment and navigate life together. Thanks for listening. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at No Head Podcast. May you be deliberate about how you spend your time. May you be compassionate. May you learn that other people's actions have nothing to do with you. And may you learn grace. Bye-bye.